Good evening. Time to get started tonight. Begin with number 134. 134. <clears throat> Encamped along the hills of life, the Christian soldiers rise and press the battle air tonight to bear the glowing skies against the flowing veils below let all our strength be heard it is the Two more verses. <laughs> Verse two. <clears throat> His banner over us is love, our sword, the word of God. We tremble over the saints above, the shouts of triumph cried. By faith they like a whirlwind's breath swept all Nine hundred thirty-seven. Nine hundred thirty-seven. After the song, we'll have a uh, opening word of prayer and uh, scripture reading. Beautiful beyond. 
Be seated. Uh, our scripture reading this evening will come from Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you go pray, go to, into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in a secret place. And your Father who sees it in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use it in vain repetition as heathens do. Uh, for they think that they will be heard with their, with their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you, uh, you need before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth, at, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Will you bow with me? Dear Lord, we, uh, we are thankful for this day that, you given, that you've given us, the opportunities that we have to come worship you. We thank you for all that you have blessed us with and the time that we have to spend with one another. We ask that you uh, be with us throughout our lives and you, you guide us in ways that can, can glorify your kingdom. We ask that you uh, forgive us of our sins and uh, lead us astray from temptation. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. Song of invitation this evening is number 800. Mark that in your book if you're using a book. Number 800. And before our lesson tonight, number 702. And would you stand, please? 702. We're going to start with the chorus. <clears throat> by, by, when the morning comes on the saints Please. 
don't know about you, but when uh, Kelly and I were uh, talking about getting married, we had uh, this premarital counseling that was really helpful. It kind of teaches you how to do marriage before you get involved with it. We are comfortable with a lot of those kinds of ideas, aren't we? have that kind of setting in a lot of different circumstances. When you go on a trip, the trip leader will say, hey, this is kind of what we expect out of you. If you've ever been to camp, the, the guy that's directing the camp will be, hey, this is kind of what we're expecting out of you this, this year. In premarital counseling, you say, hey, this is kind of what you expect in marriage. And so there's no surprises. You know what's coming up and you know how to deal with it. You're kind of equipped to deal with it. God has not left us in the dark on how to pray to Him. And there are some things that we need to understand before we dive into prayer. I think there are a couple of aspects, some things that we need to walk through a little bit before we dive into prayer. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Uh, we are using some of these Sunday nights throughout this year to talk about several of the spiritual disciplines. They're not going to be back-to-back -back because that's not how disciplines work. The spiritual disciplines are things that you go through and you need time to make this a habit. You also need time to see the benefits of this discipline. Uh, so I'm trying to keep at least a month in between each one of these lessons to kind of give you some time to work through Bible study. That's what we talked about last week. And so hopefully you've been working that, that discipline, prayer is what we're dealing with tonight. So I hope maybe some of the things that we talk about will be beneficial for you and that these will be practical uh, things that you can put into uh, your own prayer life that you'll see the, the benefits from these things as well as the uh, garner the discipline that it takes to grow in this particular spiritual discipline. So when we start thinking about prayer, your mind probably automatically goes straight to Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. So go ahead and be flipping there. That's where we're going to start this morning as we think about some, some things that we need to be understanding before we ever start praying. There's, there's some things that we need to understand that we need to be equipped with this knowledge before we start talking to God in prayer. So we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 6. This is the passage that Sam read for you this evening. We're going to come back to uh, the starting in, in, in verse 5, but I'm going to start in verse 9 <coughs> uh, just now. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. His disciples come to Jesus and they want to know how to pray. Like we talked about this morning in our Bible class, <coughs> these guys know how to pray. They've grown up praying. These are 12 good Jewish men who were 12 good Jewish boys who knew how to pray. Their moms and dads had taught them how to do this thing. If you search the Old Testament, you find example after example after example of Jewish people knowing how to pray. Nothing has changed in between the time of, say, Hannah, Samuel's mother, to Daniel in the lion's den, to Peter, James, and John in the fishing boat, and ultimately, right here in our setting on the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is teaching, his disciples want to know how to pray. So what's going on here? They obviously have seen something significant, something different in Jesus' prayer life than was true in their own prayer lives. And they want in. They want to know what he knows. And so he's going to share some of this knowledge with them. So when he teaches them how to pray, our ears ought to perk up. We ought to be 
zoned in to what he's saying. So let's focus in on what he's saying. And I think there's a pattern, at least a semblance of uh, some, some things, some components of a pattern that we need to be thinking through with this passage. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 9, he says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So at the very outset, before we start praying, we need to come into God's presence with an understanding of how holy he is. Jesus is the first words out of his mouth are, hallowed be your name. Now, we don't use hallowed very much anymore, do we? But another word that you might be familiar with that is a synonym for hallowed is holy. Now, holy Maybe another word that you don't use just a ton. So maybe some of the ramifications, maybe the definition of this word holy is not something that maybe you're familiar with, but it means set apart. It's different. It's other. It's transcendent. It's majestic. It's powerful. And so all these adjectives describe God. And so when we come into his presence in prayer, we need to have the mindset that you are holy, that you are other, that you are transcendent, that you are so much bigger, more majestic, more powerful, more than me. Now, how you get in that mindset is, is, is varies depending on the person, I suppose. Something that helps me get into that mindset is a, is a study of the universe. I, I love to go back and find a new star or find a new way to think about a new star or look at the universe, or look at galaxies, or this thing is immeasurably, literally, immeasurably large. Scientists, the greatest minds on our planet, have not been able to put a figure on how big the universe is. They can't even see all the way through to the end of it. And God made all of that when he said, let there be light. And it all came rushing in. At the speed of light, it all was there. Nothing was there in a moment, and then everything was there. When I say Father, that's the one whose ear uh, I'm pulling on. Who I'm, I'm, he's leaning into my voice when I cry out to him in prayer. That ought to humble us. When you come in, excuse me, when you come in prayer to God. We need to come in to prayer with a state and a mind of humility. To do that, these two things go, go, go side by side, right? If once I understand how big, how other, how holy, how transcendent God is, I'll, I'll automatically be in a humbled state. I'll automatically realize who I am and how insignificant I am. I can't make anything. Neither can you. You be able to, may be able to make a, a patio or a house, but you're using materials, right? He made everything that we're aware of without anything and with the Word made it. You can't comprehend how big and powerful and majestic and other He is. Not only that, there's more than that, right? That's one of the things that Jesus points to here when he says, hallowed be your name, is we need to start with this idea of how holy you are. And that takes a little bit of time, doesn't it? I don't know that we're naturally given to understanding how holy God is. 
That's not something that you just naturally think of right off the cuff. You might not naturally be given to this idea of entering into his presence with this idea of how big and wonderful and majestic he is. And so it takes a little bit of time, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of study, doesn't it? It takes some effort. Remember, we're talking about spiritual disciplines. These things are not easy. They're not easy, but they are good. They're beneficial to us. And so you do hard things every day, things that you probably don't want to do because it's beneficial for you, right? Savings accounts aren't, aren't fun, are they? But they are beneficial, right? Stop, uh, storing some stuff back in your 401k isn't fun, but it is beneficial for you. Uh, running, lifting weights, those things aren't fun, but they are beneficial for you, right? And so these spiritual disciplines are difficult, but they are worth it. And so we have to grow up inside of these things. So one of the things that we need to think through as we get into prayer, before we ever enter into prayer, as a matter of fact, is how other God is, how holy He is. Do the background work on that. Whatever that takes for you. Maybe it's a study uh, of Jesus and the incredible things that He's given up so that He can come be like us. Maybe like you're like me and the study of the universe really puts you in your place. Maybe there's something else. I used to have a friend that would go uh, sit in his deer stand, and that's, I mean, just walking around uh, the woods and, and looking out at the trees from his stand and things like that and watching the deer and feeling the breeze and contemplating the, the sun, all those kinds of things. That, that was his way of reminding himself of how insignificantly small he is inside of God's universe, but how incredibly significant he is to the creator of that universe, right? So before we ever enter in, into prayer, I think that's one of the things that we need to contemplate. This is one of the things we need to think through as we enter into prayer. Another one of the things we need to think about is He's good. Not only is He holy, but He's good. Hold your finger in Matthew chapter 6. Flip over to James chapter 1. We're coming back to Matthew 6. I don't want to leave it too long, but Matthew, or James chapter 1. It's going to be our next stop as we think about things we need to be contemplating before we ever enter into prayer. James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So who's the giver of good gifts? Well, James says that it's the Father. He is the one who gives us good things. One of the things we have to think through as we pray is that His plan for us is better than our plan for us. His plan for me is better than my plan for me. Because you know what my plan was for me? Go out and have fun and do things that I want to do. I was building my own kingdom and so were you before you came to Christ. Right? We were doing things that were not beneficial to us. They were harmful to us. We were cutting our legs off, right? We were doing things that were harmful to us. And then we came to him and he said, I've got some hard things for you to do, but they're beneficial. They're good for you. Well, you know why? Because he's the giver of good gifts. He doesn't give bad gifts. He gives good things. Because his plan for you is better than your plan for yourself every single time. 
even in the midst of our pain, His plan for us is better than our plan for us. Every time. Flip back over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Let me show you one more verse in this vein of, of thinking before we get into how should we pray and what should we pray and how should we do this, this discipline. I want tonight to be a very practical time for us together, but I want us to get our minds right. Because if you come into the situation without the right expectations, you fail. So to pray appropriately, to pray the way that Jesus wants us to pray, we need to do a couple things before we ever kneel in prayer, right? We need to remember that He is a holy, that He's transcendent, that He's other, that He's powerful, majestic. And that I am humbled, insignificant, powerless, needy. I need to understand that. I also need to understand that he's good. Let me point you to Luke chapter 11. In the midst of a different teaching on this same topic that he's dealing with in Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he gives it a couple times throughout his, uh, throughout his lifetime, I think. Uh, you find it recorded for you again here in Luke chapter 11. But in the midst of his, his preaching on... Uh, prayer, he's going to give you a different take on prayer here in, in Luke 11 than he does in Matthew chapter 6. He includes something here in Luke 11 he, he excludes in Matthew 6. And so it's worth our time to, to deal with it. Listen to what he says in Luke 11. Uh, let's start in verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go up to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. We're going to deal with uh, the persistent woman in just a bit. But that's, that's kind of his teaching here in this first uh, set of verses. We need to be persistent as we pray. Listen to what he says in verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. <coughs> what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's saying you dads get what it means to be a good father. And if your kid comes up to you and they ask for a blessing, you're not going to give them something that's going to be harmful to them, right? They ask for bread, you're not going to give them a snake because the snake might hurt them. They're wanting something good. <coughs> Excuse me. And so he says, you dads get it. How much more do you think the Heavenly Father gets it? How much more will he want to give you good gifts because he is the giver of good things? His plan for you is better than your plan for yourself. If you come into prayer, understanding that praying your will be done is so much easier because you trust him right 
you trust Him implicitly, 100%, no questions asked, even through the pain, especially through the pain. I trust you. I, I know you've got this, and I don't see how it's going to work out for my benefit. And I'm in so much pain right now, I, I just don't, I can't see through it. But I know that you're good, and I know that this is going to turn out for my benefit. That doesn't always happen physically, does it? But it always, every time, happens spiritually because He is turning us more and more into the image of Christ every single time. Something like this happens, isn't it? That's the promise Romans 8.28 gives us. So if you understand that He is holy, that He's other, transcendent, powerful, and that you come into His presence in this humbled state, before you ever start to pray, that's the first thing we need to do. We'll, we also need to understand that He's good. That His plans for us are so much better than your plans for you. Remember from our lesson this morning, we were building our own kingdom. We were going after our own lives. We were doing what's best for us, what we thought was best for us. And then Jesus comes along and says, you have no idea what's good for you. Dude. Maybe some of you have I've already experienced that. Uh, God seems to answer prayers in one of three ways. Uh, if you pray for something, he'll say either yes, and you receive that thing, or he'll say no, and you don't ever receive that thing, or he'll say wait, right? Sometimes he says wait. And in the waiting is where we find our greatest faith. We have to believe that He is good. How many of us have stood in the middle of a prayer pleading with God to give us something and He said, wait. And you kept on, you kept, you were persistent, just like, just like the guy here that Jesus is talking about, just like the persistent widow in, a, in, a, in Luke 18. Probably He's going to tell us just a bit. You were persistent. You kept on pleading with the Father for this thing. But then in the middle of that wait answer, what happened? You stopped wanting that thing, didn't you? Life had changed. You had matured. You had grown. And then you began to see how what you originally wanted wasn't good for you at all. It was harmful. You just didn't see it right then. Have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? I think a lot of us have. have seen that plea. Please give me this. I'm crying out to you. Why won't you give me this? The Bible tells me you're a good father. Why won't you give me this? And he says, just wait. Just wait. And you do. You trust him. And you wait it out. And eventually you find that the thing that you wanted originally wasn't good for you. And it wasn't going to work out very well for you. And what you have now is actually better. I've seen it time and time again. It's how he functions. And so before you ever pray... You need to recognize a couple of things. Um, you need to recognize that he's holy. You need to recognize that he's good, right? So then we find ourselves back in Matthew chapter 6. And let's, let's pull up at verse 5. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. We talked a little bit about the, the, Lord, the model prayer 
um, this morning in our Bible class in preparation for this lesson, so I'm not going to deal too much with it, but I do want to focus in on these preceding verses, starting in verse 5, Matthew 6, 5. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, looking at his disciples, looking at the ones who want to follow, you want to know how to pray? Here's how you pray. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in, who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Has, that, has that, that phrase, your Father who sees in secret, ever stuck in your mind? It stuck in mind as I was preparing uh, my thoughts for, for this lesson. I've heard that phrase before, you're the God who sees. Are you familiar with this? It's in, it's in Genesis 16, all the way back to Hagar. You remember Hagar? She is uh, the she is Abraham's no, she's Sarah's servant, uh, and she's the stand-in for Sarah, so that Abraham can have a child via her because they did not trust Abraham. Did not trust his. His faith faltered there in the middle of waiting on his promise from God. And so uh, in steps Hagar uh, at Abraham and Sarah's request. And Abraham has a child via Hagar. This infuriates Sarah. And she's jealous uh, of the relationship that Abraham has with Hagar's son Ishmael. And so... She is abusive and mean to her. And so Hagar takes the child and she runs away and she runs to this well and she's really about to give up, doesn't know what she's going to do, has, just knows that she has to be out of that situation. But then an angel comes to her and he says, go back, go back to Abraham, go back to Sarah, be obedient because God's going to multiply Ishmael like he's going to multiply Isaac. And Hagar says something very interesting in the midst of this conversation. She says, you're the God who sees. You see me. You're taking care of me. You care about me. Now, that's interesting because who is Hagar? She is not Abraham's, uh, from Abraham, Abraham's lineage. She is an Egyptian. She is someone who is outside of God's covenant people. God's made a deal with Abraham. He's not made any kind of deal with the Egyptians not yet, at least. That's coming in the New Testament, right? He makes a deal with everyone, but that's not here yet. And so he, she is outside of God's covenant people. On top of that, she is a female slave. But God sees her in the midst of her distress. And he works effectively to bring a reconciliation to her problem. And so if you transport your mind back to Matthew chapter 6 and you look at what Jesus is saying again. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It's exactly what Hagar had done, right? <coughs> she had found a secluded place and had poured her heart out to a God she did not know, but that God saw her and worked effectively to bring peace to her situation. Can he do the same thing for you? Absolutely. In fact, that's what he longs to do. 
Let me throw one more verse out at you. I, th- I think this is one of my favorite thoughts about prayer. It's in Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. I ran across this verse several years ago, and it's just kind of dumbfounded me ever since then. Revelation chapter 8, starting in verse 1. I don't know how much you've studied Revelation. I know we haven't studied it very much the last several years. Um, But uh, throughout the book of Revelation, as you enter into heaven, it is incredibly loud. It's a noisy place. You've got the four living creatures who are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. And you've got the 24 elders. They're throwing crowns down. You've got everyone else that's praising God. You've got thunders and lightning. And so it's just a a visual overload and and an auditory overload. There's just so much noise there. Um, And then in uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, there's silence for about half an hour. Half an hour. About 30 minutes. He quiets down everything. Now, why would he do that? It's interesting, right? Read verse 2. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of of the angel. Do you know why? Did you catch why he quieted down heaven for 30 minutes so that he could incline his ear to his people's prayers? It's a beautiful thought, isn't it? For one person praying every time you say Father, he gives you his full and undivided attention. Isn't that incredible? There's so much noise going on in heaven. And all that noise is adoration and praise directed right at him. Revelation is symbolic. And so we look for the meaning behind the symbols, right? So I think what the meaning behind the symbol is here is that when his people pray, he gives them his full and undivided attention. And so prayer is something that we need to excel in. It's a power, it's an untapped resource that he's given at your disposal. You get the ear of the creator of the universe whenever you want it. And the Hebrew writer says that we can come boldly. We don't have to come with fear. We can come, should come boldly into his presence to make all of our wants and our wishes known. So how do you do that? How can you become better? At praying because it's not easy, is it? It is a discipline, and it's something that you're not born knowing how to do. You have to have a strategy to do it, right? So, next little bit uh, with our time remaining, I want to give you uh, some some possibilities. These aren't; it's not an exhaustive list, um, but these are some things that I found helpful, uh, and I think they'll be helpful for you. Pick a passage of scripture. And walk through that as a prayer. Um, let, let me give you let me give you how to how to kind of how to do this, and I'll give you an example. Um, I need to view this passage in four ways. The first way is instruction. What does God demand of me from this passage? I need to be able to put it in a nutshell. If I can't, if I don't have a good enough grasp on it to be able to put it into a nutshell, I need to spend some more time with the passage until I can do that. Then I need to turn the command into a thanksgiving, a praise. Um, 
How does this teaching lead us to praise or thank God? Then I need to turn the command into confession. How does this teaching lead us to repent or confess our sins? And then I need to turn the um, confession into a prayer. How does this command prompt us to praise God? Here's an example right from Matthew chapter 6. I promised we'd come back to it and here we are back at Matthew chapter 6. In the Lord's Prayer, here's an easy example. Um, when he says, Our Father, he's indicating a communal effect there. Uh, community is part of the deal. Um, I can't know God alone. I have to do it in community. We could praise God for all the people he's put in our lives who have helped us in our spiritual journey and for being uh, a God who loves and sees and creates and loves we could confess that we need to become better at intimate relationships. We could confess not being close with God because we're not close with His people, right? We pray for more close friends to shape our life. There are so many ways that you can be involved with prayer to, to push uh, yourself to, to work through this discipline. Uh, I like the idea of praying through Scripture uh, there's a variety of ways to do it. This is just one of them. But maybe another one is, is hanging your own thoughts on, this, on the passage that you're trying to pray through. So pick a passage and work through it. And as the thoughts come to your mind about things that you're struggling with or things that you want or praises that you've got, hang those thoughts in that way in the outline that Scripture has provided for you. Here's, here's one way to do that. Um, when he says, Father, here in Matthew chapter 6, it reminds us of his love and his constant care for us. If you've ever seen a good dad, or some of you guys are good dads, what do, what do you do? You're always watching, right? You're always encouraging uh, your children. And that's what he's doing for us, and that's what that word Father reminds us of. Now, at the same time, we're reminded of the discipline that our dads gave us and then sometimes that we give our children. He's good and he's got my best interest in mind. He's working things out, sometimes in ways that I can't perceive, sometimes in ways that I don't see, but all those things are working to bless me even through my pain. That one word father brings to mind that picture for some of us, doesn't it? Heaven is another one that brings a picture that we can hang some thoughts on as we pray. Uh, that's the place we're sacrificing everything to get to, right? Help me want that more than anything else. Help me focus on the fact that it's real and waiting for me. Uh, hallowed be thy name. It reminds us that we're approaching a holy God and that we should come humbly, but also boldly. It's his name that I represent. I had better represent him to the world in a way that honors him and is true, right? These are things that we can pray. These are things we should be thinking through and praying for thy kingdom come uh, leads us to pray for the progress of the gospel in our community, in our culture, and in every relationship that we're involved in. You see how you, you just start building on top of these thoughts in Scripture, uh, almost like leaping from, from rock to rock to rock to get across the, the creek. You, you leap from thought to thought, getting through your prayer. Some of us struggle in prayer because you never were taught how to do it. I think that's exactly what's going on in Matthew 6 
in Luke 11, when the apostles come to Jesus and they want him to teach them how to pray. People have showed them how to pray before. Maybe some people have taught them how to pray before, but not like this. Not in a way that's intimate with the Father. Some of us are in that same boat, right? And so I think that this is a good way, a good starting point. You may progress past this uh, if that's possible, but you may move on to a different method. But I think this is a good place to start is find a passage of Scripture and hang your own thoughts onto it. Paul's got an incredible prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. That'd be a, a really interesting way to do that one too. Um, Philippians 4 would be a cool, uh, great passage to, to bring up in that, in that venue. Matthew 6 right here with the Lord's Prayer would be a good one to point to in that direction. Prayer is a discipline, right? It's supposed to be difficult. We have to fight to work this well. Come prepared, right? Know that He's holy. Know that He's good. Know that His plans are better than your plans are or could ever be for you. Trust in Him. That's what faith is. It's trust. But then start working through some of these passages so that your prayer life can start to grow. Right? Find some ways to start working through this method of spiritual discipline. We need to work on our prayer life. We have untapped power here. We can get to becoming a better prayer warrior using Scripture and using uh, this, this method of hanging our own thoughts on, on, uh, on verses from the Bible. I know tonight's not been very evangelistic, but if you have a need tonight that can be met, specifically if uh, you are wanting your sins to be erased, if you found out that you are culpable for those things, that God is holding you accountable for them, we want to uh, baptize you tonight in the name of the Father, uh, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and have all those sins washed away, and you no longer are accountable for those things. Um, he has washed that slate clean. Maybe you've already made that decision tonight. And you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God wants you to be, to be this kind of prayer warrior or Bible student or giver or whatever the need is failing in your life. If you have any need tonight, won't you come as we stand and sing? Thy call sweetly rings over land and sea.
Good evening, church family. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. Um, as a reminder that today's the last day to sign up for the Father and Son Camp Out on July 29th. So if you're planning on going to that, please sign up before you leave. Also, Sunday, July 31st, is our potluck and also Friends Day. Um, August 3rd will be on Wednesday. We'll have Stepping Stone Supper. Spaghetti is on the menu. Also, August, August 6th will be our Fort Hill gathering. And if you're interested in going on the mission trip to Peru on June 13th through the 22nd, uh, please speak with Chris. Um, also, great news, Aiden Knapp was baptized while in Waverly, Tennessee, so that's great to have a new brother in Christ. Um, I have a new announcement. Um, there will be a college-age devotional cookout and games night next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock at the Millers. If you don't know how to get there, you can meet Sam at the building at 5.30 and follow him or ask Jeremy or Connie for directions, and food will be provided. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Hank uh, and his girlfriend Lisa in your prayers at this time. Keep Hank, uh, Jim Haney in your prayers, Sandy Galloway, JB and Wanda Lawson, and John and Pat Kelly as they uh, deal with COVID. Keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers, uh, Chad, Judge's mom and dad, um, and also Vicki Bowen. Uh, and all the ones who are traveling, keep them in your prayers as well. That's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been, pre been prepared in a conference room. You may leave and do that now. A couple quick things before we're dismissed. Uh, one, just of note, uh, I was informed today, and you can ask Andrew about it, <laughs> there was a uh, ranking of the top 50 Christian colleges and universities uh, in the nation came out, and this is all Christian colleges, universities, Baptist, Methodist, Wesleyan, well, you know, whatever. And Harding University was number one on that list. I thought that should be noted, and you guys should know that. Uh, number two, uh, the last song tonight um, was requested quite a while ago, and we just now got the slides for it. And I'm not that comfortable with it yet. I asked Cy to lead it. He's never led it either. But <laughs> he, he feels better than I do about it. <laughs> so I've asked. <laughs> I'm going to let him lead the last song, and he's going to walk us through it here tonight. Yeah, so I'm the guinea pig tonight, I think. Uh, the song is going to be called Oceans, or it is called Oceans. Uh, a, lot of you may, a lot of you may know it. I'll back off that squeaking a little bit. Um, I first heard this actually when the pandemic started, when we started being quarantined. Chris always had it in the, like, kind of the background before service started, or service came on YouTube or Facebook or whatever it was at that point in time. I will kind of go through it very quickly. The verses are fairly straightforward. It's all four-part harmony. Blake, can you actually advance to the chorus, the first chorus? This, there is a melody and counter melody. The bass, tenor, and alto have the counter melody, while the soprano, which is the part I will be leading, kind of has the uh, melody. Second verse is the same. Uh, can you forward through to the uh, the bridge after the second chorus?
one more. Okay, right here. This starts, the soprano has the, is the only one singing, and then in a couple slides, the tenor gets added, but it's no counter melody or anything. It's the same thing, just different notes. Tenor gets added, and then a couple slides later, the alto, a couple more slides, and then the bass. And then we kind of go back and do the chorus, and there we go. So I wanted to walk through it before we started. That way I'm not uh, just me and Jeremy singing this song. <laughs> so uh, guys, you'll go back to the first slide. And if I mess up, it's all his fault. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. Uh, and I will call. Upon the waters, wherever you will. 
Please pray with me. Dear God, we thank you for this day and everything you've given us, and uh, we're thankful for everyone here tonight that has come to learn more about you, and we're thankful for Chris bringing us a lesson and help us apply it to our lives and put you first in everything, and please be with us as we go home from here and tell others about you, and we're thankful for everyone who leads this place and help them grow this place stronger and faithful and more like Jesus, and Thank you for Sam and my dad and everything they do with the youth. And thank you for Jesus on the cross to forgive us of our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.